This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're a Shark Tank fan or business junkie, check out the podcast, Another Bite. Each week, Another Bite breaks down the biggest success stories and most disastrous failures to come out of Shark Tank. The hosts break down each company's pitch, analyze the deals that were or weren't made, and answer the million-dollar question, are they still a company? Whether you're an entrepreneur looking for tips or a Shark Tank fan that just wants to relive the drama, Another Bite's your deep dive into the world of Shark Tank. Just search for Another Bite in your favorite podcast app, like the one you're listening to right now. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, last evening in London, Boris Johnson won a vote of confidence in his leadership, but more than 40% of Tory MPs voted to remove him from office. The Prime Minister welcomed the result, which he won by 211 to 148, describing it as decisive and conclusive. It is, in fact, a very poor result as most objective observers uh, have remarked worse, for example, than Theresa May's fate when she uh, was subjected to a vote of confidence not too long ago. And to discuss Johnson and where he's going and where he's taking Britain, it's a pleasure to welcome to the stand again uh, Peter Oberon, one of the best journalists and the bravest journalists anywhere in these islands, indeed anywhere. Um, he is a very distinguished journalist, worked as chief political correspondent for the Daily Telegraph. In 2012 and 2016, Peter won Columnist of the Year from the Society of Editors. He has, for some time now, run a website called uh, Boris Johnson's Falsehoods, uh, and you can easily uh, get on there and read them and maybe make a contribution. And uh, he has, of course like everyone else, been following this. In fact, in an interview with The Guardian not too long ago, he said, Boris Johnson wants to destroy the Britain I love. I cannot vote Conservatives. This was in December 2019. Peter, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, It's a real pleasure always to talk to you. Let's just take, for example, Johnson's reaction to the to the vote last night which was pretty disastrous he decided he described it as decisive and conclusive yeah mr johnson is in a sense right under the laws of which govern uh, leadership elections in the conservative party all you need is uh, an outright majority there are 359 conservative mps meaning that my addition, my sums are correct, my multiplication, you need 180. Uh, in fact, only 148 Tory MPs voted against uh, Mr. Johnson. The rules also say there mustn't be another, or can't be, another leadership election for 12 months. 
Um, on that basis, Mr. Johnson is um, is home and dry, and he's at liberty to carry on being leader of the Tory party and therefore uh, at liberty to uh, be prime minister in Downing Street um, for the next 12 months at least. And, and if he goes through the next 12 months, I think he will almost certainly make it to the election, which we expect um, either at the back end of, uh, of 2023 um, or maybe early 2024. Now, you have um, chronicled much of his behavior or misbehavior for a very long time. You told us before, and I should tell our listeners, that you both worked together on The Spectator. I think he may have been the editor. You were chief political correspondent. You were close colleagues, and and you said that you at that time you liked him, almost. Uh, very much so. He was an extraordinarily lively uh, man. Brilliant, actually. I've, I'm often criticized for saying so, but to work for, and with, he, he, he had an incredibly acute mind, journalistic mind, that is. Um, and uh, I, it was very, it was very, it was really happy and interesting time of my career. You know, Mr. Johnson was a political editor, uh, and he, and I got, sorry, he was editor, I was the political correspondent. And I, I really enjoyed it, and I got on with him extremely well. Actually, he coached me with a book I wrote, A Rise of Political Lying, really about the lies of. Yes. Tony Blair, <laughs> and uh, he coached me on Greek philosophy and lying, Plato's idea of the noble lie, because Mr. Johnson yes. uh, read uh, classics at Oxford. And what is Plato's idea of the noble lie? Um, because I'm sure we could all use it at times, not as extensively as Mr. Johnson. <laughs> well, the idea is very simple, really, that... Uh, sum it up, it's that most uh, us, us members of the human race, fallen humanity, don't really have the capability to assess every argument um, in a business-like and effective way. And therefore, we need um, to be lied to in order to reach the right conclusion, which is decided for, for us by a sort of group of so-called guardians, the, the wise men of the state, and so um, there are various different kinds of truth statement. Uh, you know, there is the truth understood by the guardians of the state, and then there's some, some sort of fabrications or myths which are made available to the hyperloi, to use another Greek term. Yes. Um, Nadine Doris, for example, Jacob Rees-Mogg. <laughs> these are members of his cabinet. And, and in the case of Nadine Doris, uh, as I'm sure you will appreciate, uh, Peter, She's the culture minister and therefore in charge of privatizing Channel 4 mm -hmm. and perhaps making the BBC a uh, subscription service, therefore depriving it of the license fee. He's, this is a very serious matter. What is he, what is he doing? Is he getting worse? Yes, I think, and more I think about this, because I'm trying, to, I've spent a lot of time trying to reconcile the basically cheerful and I think, well, I thought, decent person I work for at The Spectator with this yes. disastrous figure in, in working in uh, operating in number 10 Downing Street. And I, I have reached the conclusion that Bernie Mr. Johnson is, a, is, is lazy, but he's rather clever. And his route to staying in power, and actually his route to getting to power, was, the, was two things. One, he represents billionaires. If you look at um, 
the kind of donors who who, who funded his rise. Yes. They're very rich business people. Um, I'm not even sure that all of them are domiciled in the United Kingdom. And the other one is the uh, broadcast, the media, in, in you know the big media groups, the the, the Associated Newspapers, which owns the Mail, the yes. Telegraph, which he worked for and paid him an astronomic sum of money to write a column, and the Murdoch Press. Um, yes. And those three groups are immensely are basically part form part of the government in many ways now. Yes. Uh, uh, and those are the, his two power, uh, two power bases, and I think they determine how he conducts himself. He will run policy like Murdoch has, for Yonks has had a grudge against the BBC. He, he interfe- you know, he occupies media space which he wants for his own free free market operations. Yes, like Fox News in the United States, yes. for instance. And uh, in fact, the BBC is an obstruction there, and and the Associated seems to agree with that. And so he will, for it, and there's another recent campaign, the uh, working for, uh, blocking working from home, you know, that newspapers in order to survive need people to get onto comm- commuter trains yes. and read, buy a paper to read on the commuter journey. Um, but if people work from home, they don't do that. And so the papers badly need, um, badly need, um, uh, people to go back to the office. So that's just two examples of, of how the, Newspaper, he's he's a fulfilled newspaper agendas, and so I tend to see him, and it's uh, much more as uh, although he's a uh, politician, but he is the vehicle, the the the, the billionaire's useful yes. idiot, you might say, you know. Um, yeah, one of but, them, one of the oligarchs, he put he put in the Lords, didn't he? Uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, a, a gentleman called Lord Lebedev. Yes. Um, Son of a KGB officer. Yes. Sorry, yes, a former KGB officer, great friend of Putin, uh, as Lord Lebedev of Siberia. In, in a, in a, in a, in a, no, this was before the um, invasion of Ukraine. Uh, when, right. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> now, the question of Nadine Doris in a cabinet, Liz Truss in a cabinet, they happen to be women, but I, I I'm no sexist. Nadine Doris is the culture secretary, and she, she has an immense power. And Liz Truss, of course, as foreign secretary, also at the moment has immense power. There are then the men in the cabinet, uh, and some of them who've who've left the cabinet. But mediocrity seems to be what he requires around him. People who won't rock the boat or rock his boat. Well, I wouldn't even say they were mediocre. That's speaking, actually, you know, they're worse than mediocre. They're um, shambolic. Uh, you know, you look at... Dominic sort of Rabb, for example, who wouldn't get off his butt on the beach during the evacuation of Afghanistan. Yeah, so what Mr. Johnson wants, I think, is sycophants in the cabinet, uh, second racers, yes. Yes. I mean, Nadine Doris is an interesting point, and to go, and it's another illustration of the power of big money in, uh, it, it basically, that Mr. Johnson is um, the billionaire's buffoon, I think. And an ex- it was extraordinary yesterday. You won't have seen it in Ireland, lucky old you. Mr. Ms. Doris went on air. I did say, see her, yeah, in that she was and, in the hall of the House of Commons. Yeah, saying that there's all this money from these donors, and the donors had written a letter published in Mr. Rupert Murdoch's Sun newspaper, um, 
saying that um, they were they were you know that they they were fully behind Boris. Now the implicit message, although they didn't actually spell it out in that letter, was of course that money, that donor money uh, from all these billionaires, which according to Ms. Nadine Dorries, who's normally wrong about you're not very good at that or anything, was eighty million pounds would be would cease to be given to the Tory party, and she's made this point, directed it at. Uh, Tory MPs in marginal seats. You're basically threatening them, financial blackmail. Yes. They wouldn't get this money if they voted out uh, Johnson. So this was a... I can't tell you how important this moment was, uh, Eamon, because um, we all know, and it's one of the really ugly things uh, about modern politics, all politics, but especially in the last 20 years, uh, the, the, the power of big money, yes. donors, Billionaires. Now, normally they operate discreetly, you know, through proxies. What you had there was a very direct financial threat from the donors, first expressed through this letter to the Sun newspaper, and then uh, kind of articulated formally by Nadine Dorries uh, that you know, the, 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 the money, the money bags would be taken away. Uh, unless you did what Mr. Johnson wanted. I think it, I, I've never seen such an explicit yes. articulation. Yes. The power of money in politics. Let me ask you, Peter, about a book you published a year ago. It's called The Assault on Truth, Boris Johnson, Donald Trump, and the Emergence of a New Moral Barbarism. It was published, uh, published by Simon Schuster, American publisher, the sort of scenarios that you outline are slowly coming to pass, or maybe not slowly coming to pass. They're coming to pass very quickly, aren't they? Because it's there's a great chance now that Donald Trump will be back in the White House in 2024. Mm -hmm. And with that in mind, there's no possibility that Boris Johnson can survive on yesterday's numbers. Or is there, uh, in your view? Yeah. For example, the booing when he was going into St. Paul's to the service in the Jubilee, the church service for the Queen's Jubilee, that surely indicates something serious about the British public's attitude towards him now. Yes, I, I, um, I, I, people say there's no possibility he could survive, but there is, they, have, they haven't come up with a mechanism which will destroy him. Um, and yes, I agree that he got booed um, at the Queen's Jubilee, um, and that was significant. I agree that 148, one-third of the Tory party, but the parliamentary party voted uh, against him. But don't he has the support of the two key constituencies which got him into Downing Street. Yes. First by running him as Tory leader. Yes. Uh, and then uh, as um, running him as uh, in the 2019 election. Those are big money, the billionaire class. Yes. And secondly, uh, the the big uh, newspaper magnates, uh, Murdoch Associated Telegraph Group. Now, uh, they, they, they are still, if you just look at the day's Daily Mail, it, it, you know, it's lethally attacking the, um, the, the, the challenger, the most likely opponent, uh, Jeremy Hunt. Yes. Three hatchet jobs on him. 
um, sneering at the rebel MPs, accusing them of facilitating what they call smirking Starmer. Yes. Now, so he's got those two power bases. Now, big money and the big media. Don't on that basis. I don't see Mr. Johnson um, necessarily going. Yes, and and I must point out to our listeners, I have a piece in front of me that was in the Guardian in November twenty nineteen, and you said at that time, it's not just Boris Johnson's lying; it's that the media let him get away with it. And now we're three years on, and he's still getting away with it. Uh, to, to be prosaic for a moment, Peter, <laughs> there's two by-elections coming on June 23rd, one in Tiverton, which is down in Devon, and one in Wakefield, which is in Yorkshire. Wakefield is a so-called red wall seat, which the Tories won for the first time in 80 years, I think, at the last election, and that was attributed to Johnson. Uh, Tiverton is a majority of 24,000. If they were... And this is, I suppose, one's hope that the people will speak. Um, if he were to lose those two by-elections, it's my understanding that the 1922 committee's rules can be amended and they can have another, if you like, uh, referendum on his leadership. Well, the, I think he will crash to defeat in those two elections and they will be um, very telling defeats because they're both in totally different Places So in uh, Tiverton, the opponents of the Lib Dems, it's a largely sort of uh, middle class, perhaps rural, perhaps seat, um, you know, uh, uh, whereas in the north, it's a traditionally Labour seat and Labour is the opponent and he'll get white, he'll suffer massive, um, massive blows in both. I don't think, though, that that will lead to a leadership Right. Uh, challenge, uh, partly because it's quite late in the part, in the sort of political season, end of June. Yes. Uh, and they won't resurrect uh, a leadership bit at that stage. And by the time Mr. Johnson returns from his summer holiday in September, uh, all that will be um, forgotten. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. 
Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We have a stake in uh, this because in order to seal the Brexit agreement with uh, the European Union. Uh, he agreed to the Northern Ireland Protocol, which allowed him to go to the electorate and say the job was done and get an 80-seat majority. He has then promptly torn up the uh, Northern Ireland Protocol. He's lied to the Irish government. He's lied to the unionist community. Uh, and he's about to break international law. This is very serious for our country. It's very serious for all concerned. And there doesn't appear to be anybody to put a break on it. Yes, uh, I agree. And it's, I would add one final observation on this, that it's very shaming for Great Britain. Yes. To enter into a, a treaty and then discard it. And it seems clear that Mr. Johnson did, as you say, lie about that treaty, not just to the Unionists and to the Irish government, but also uh, to the British people. With yes. that phrase, get Brexit done. Now, um, I, I feel that there are, however, certain constraints. Uh, one of them is the United States government, which is... We know that Joe Biden is very concerned yes. and is sending very strong messages. Whether there are legal message, remedies and that this, um, if, he, if he does want to tear up the agreement he entered into, um, there may be legal remedies too. But it does show that this is a rogue government. Yes, it does. In the same way that the Trump government was a rogue government, or you might say that the uh, you know, the Mugabe government in Zimbabwe was a rogue government, or certainly the Putin government or regime, um, yes. in the case of Putin and Mugabe, were rogue regimes. Um, so that is uh, where we are. We've suddenly descended from a, what you and I would have thought of as being a healthy, functioning, law-abiding democracy, Britain, into something uh, much more sinister under Johnson. Let me just ask you a question, Peter, about what seems to be a paradox. In this fight back against Putin and the support of the Ukraine, Britain was very early to offer, maybe the first, to offer some defensive weapons, uh, to offer support. Uh, Johnson went to Kiev. Of course, that was a photo op and all of that. But there is something that not many people are prepared to com concede about this British government, that they are, in a way that 
others in Europe are not. They are staunch and they will support their allies and confront Putin. Isn't that an irony or am I missing something? It is an irony. I mean, I, I think what everything, factually, though, is true. There's no question that Britain got arms to Ukraine ahead of the game. There's no question that uh, Putin's um, invasion was an act, uh, illegal act, an act of aggression. Um, and there's no question that um, President Zelensky of Ukraine is deeply grateful to Britain. I, I tend not to um, award quite as much credit to Mr. Johnson. It's partly because of Britain's yes. military power. It's got a very strong military, capable military, and uh, he but clearly he, he, he uh, capable of delivering arms and also uh, I have I, I would imagine I have no direct knowledge uh, important advice um, and, and secondly Britain doesn't have quite the conflicts uh, as say Germany which is yes. dependent of on, 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 on fuel yes. gas basically from, yes um, from the uh, from from Russia, uh, I mean, there is a debate about. I mean, should there is an argument? I think for peace, you know, and all peace deals. Henry Kissinger said this out yes, very recently. strongly. Yes, um, that yeah, and that would be you, you. In order to enter a negotiation, you have to give something to your opponents. Ultimately, that is not a matter for us or anybody else. It must be a matter for U Ukraine um, because it's them who are fighting this war, not us. It's yes, very important to remember that. And it's them who are suffering so many casualties uh, and, and so much tragedy and horror. Just a couple of more questions, Peter, before we, we let you go. And I should mention your new book, um, which is out and published. It's called The Fate of Abraham. Um, and it's about our understanding of the Muslim faith and the Mus Muslim culture. Uh, it's called The Fate of Abraham, if uh, people uh, are interested. And I urge people to read anything that Peter uh, publishes. Uh, I want to ask you about another Johnson act that seems to me he got away with or is getting away with. The Privileges Committee is meeting to decide whether or not he misled Parliament. And it seems clear to most people that he did uh, mislead Parliament, not just once, but on a number of occasions. Misleading Parliament for any minister, uh, including the Prime Minister, perhaps especially the Prime Minister, was a, a resignation matter. But he has tried now to change that too, hasn't he? Uh, to make it okay to apologize rather and not to have to no, resign. I'll, I'll explain the situation, Eamon. It's in my book um, uh, it's, uh, and website, I set out 70 occasions where Mr. Johnson has, has misled or lied to the House of Commons. 70. I mean, it's completely <laughs> unprecedented. Sorry, I, uh, I was 68 short. <laughs> I mean, uh, now, it is true that the, there was a vote in the Commons for the Privileges Committee to look into the question of whether Mr. Johnson had uh, deliberately misled. 
Parliament. Remember, the, the laws as they are, the Ministerial Code says that if you mislead Parliament, and a lot, all of us make misspeak and get our memory wrong, and you know, you just come back to Parliament and and uh, and correct the record and and apologise in serious cases. Now, yes. this Johnson has misled Parliament seventy times, and at only one occasion corrected the record, and that was because he was afraid. I mean, it was connected very odd. It was connected with Abramovich, the Russian oligarch yes, who is wrong. Now they they are looking particularly at whether Mr. Johnson. Remember, he constantly told MPs Keir Starmer, his opposite number, that the guidelines had been obeyed and then there were no parties during yes. COVID, in Downing Street during COVID. And of course, we now know that there were um, lots, uh, and the police have got involved and they've issued penalty notices, etc., fines. Now, I, um, if Mr. Johnson is found to have deliberately misled Parliament, that would be, by the Privileges Committee, that would be a resignation of offence. Absolutely, he would have to resign. Uh, at least I assume he would. It would be deadly. It would be a deadly finding. Yes. Um, and it would bring all of this uh, to a, his career as a, to a close. He would then, because the penalty for that is, is a very, uh, if you do... Um, I find like that. You'd have, he, probably the penalty would be suspension from Parliament, and I don't think a serving Prime Minister could be um, uh, be um, suspended from Parliament and come back. Um, and then that, I think that would be then um, a, a mutiny uh, in his own cabinet. So far, these wretched British cabinet ministers have been inert, um, self-interested. Um, and, and and complicit therefore in Mr. Johnson's systematic and habitual uh, yes. deceit, but I think that would be the end of it. And, and that, that that event, that that finding, we, we we're waiting till the autumn, I think. Yeah, and the, f the final question is this, uh, Peter: uh, many people don't see a way that he can survive this, and I don't see a way that he can survive it. In your long experience of knowing him as a colleague, friend, uh, and subsequently as someone who chronicles his, uh, his lies. And I give, I just give our listeners the website there. If they want to find the, the lies, it's at, uh, borisjohnsonlies.com, uh, if you want to. It's a fascinating read. Um, it, it, do you think, uh, and this is the last question. Do you think this time, he might have gone a step too far, and he's going to get it. Um, no, I, I think he's gone a step too far, <laughs> uh, and he is weak at the moment. But I, I would say to—I uh, mean, I hope I'm proved wrong. I'd say that he, this this particular—he—he he, he is going to hang on after this. Um, He—he's now got the political strategist Linton Crosby of, 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 of yes. advising him. Who, who masterminded four successive um, election victories in Australia for Morrison, uh, I think he was called, and um, no, John Howard, sorry, John Howard, uh, the Conservative there, I think he's, he masterminded Johnson's victories in London, he's, he masterminded his victories in the 2019 election, and I, he's a formidable uh, operator. Um, and, and Linton Crosby was in Downing Street this week, and he will uh, set a, 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 an agenda for the Prime Minister to get off the hook. I, 
I don't think. I think Mr. Johnson is in deep water, but I don't say. I, he, no, nothing I've seen so far means that he's going to go. Okay, Peter, we're very grateful to you for joining us. He may go in the end, by the way. I yeah. think, as I say, <laughs> things can change, but as things stand, he is damaged, but not fatally damaged. Okay, uh, Peter Auburn, uh, as I've said, is one of the great British journalists, and he is also the author of a number of really important books. Uh, last year, he published The Assault on Truth, Boris Johnson, Donald Trump, and the Emergence of a New Moral Barbarism. And his latest book, The Fate of Abraham, is now available wherever you get your books. So we're grateful to Peter, of course, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food. Food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.